to you by naturopathicearth.com. Here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Confessions of an Obese Child. This is A. Gregory Luna. You can call me Gregory or Gregory or Gregorio. And I will chant into your ear for ad infinitum. (laughs) Anyways, welcome back. I hope you've had a splendid February. We had this rare occurrence two nights ago. We actually had a tornado hit in San Antonio. I was telling my friend Matt, how rare is it to have tornadoes actually hit in a city, right? We always think of tornadoes hitting Tornado Alley or some rural area of the country, but you never see like tornadoes in a downtown with big buildings unless it's some apocalyptic movie where global warming or some, you know, superhero movie where there's tornadoes in downtown. But that was kind of odd. It was peculiar. Anyways, uh, Confessions of an Obi Shots brought to you by Naturopathic Earth. Yes, I think I mentioned the last podcast that there were issues with Integra Vita. So my partner and I decided to change the name to Naturopathic Earth. Uh, we might actually do a little pod about this, but just to be succinct, because brevity is the soul of wit, as Shakespeare told Polonius, because Polonius would just yammer on forever. Naturopathic earth, you know, I'm naturopathic in orientation. If you don't know what naturopathic or naturopathy means, it's, it's essentially that it's, it's synonymous with holistic or integrative medicine. It's to believe that you're treating the entire body, all aspects of the body. And I guess most applicably speaking, we do not embrace the use of pharmaceutical drugs as the first line of treatment for things. We use food, herbs, oils, things that have been around since the beginning of time that we have used to cure people. The opposite of naturopathic is allopathic. The allopathic approach is the typical approach that you see in medicine the last hundred years, which is you go into Dr. X, you complain of a symptom. Dr. X might do a little checkup in the nine minutes that he's with you because that is the average encounter that you have with a doctor's nine freaking minutes. And then he'll, of course, give you a script for some pharmaceutical drug that half the time won't work, doesn't really have a therapeutic effect, or its adverse effects are worse than the therapeutic effect. And that's it. So they never really find the underlying problem. As with naturopathic doctors, NDs, typically with NDs, you spend 30 minutes with them. And the key is finding what's the underlying problem. So a perfect example would be something like irregular periods for a girl or a lot of the hormonal things. You go to an allopathic, I have irregular periods. Oh, well, here you go. Here's the birth control pill. Not to mention, oh, we just won't tell you or, you know, you know we know you're not going to read the inserts. Higher rate of blood clots, possible higher rate of lady cancers like breast cancer, Higher, you might get overweight, sexual dysfunction, all these things. You know, we won't tell you this, but see you later. And then, you know what? Just like lifelong diabetes, uh, you're just going to be on this drug for the rest of your life, right? So you're just going to be on the pill for the next 10 years. Okay, what are the studies showing about long-term use of being on the pill for 10 years? Not good. Good on naturopath, they'll be like, why are you having irregular periods? Let's figure it out. 
why. Let's get to the source. Allopathics typically just, let's get you out of here. Let's get you a drug. Not to say there isn't a place for, for pharmaceutical drugs. And we'll talk about this later. Last line, defense, horrible infections like sepsis. You're about to die. Antibiotics, that's important. Typically, we overprescribe antibiotics, which is just another whole kit and caboodle. The most common reasons we prescribe antibiotics are for throat infections, sinus infections, ear infections. Yeah, half the time, if not more, they're viral, and the antibiotic is it's a waste of time. But that we could spend a whole podcast. Well, that that's gonna be my next podcast. We're gonna do a naturopathic podcast. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of the name now. With my partner here, but we're gonna do actually we're gonna have a lot of podcasts coming out of naturopathic earth. But anyways, I like the earth part. Uh, there were a couple of names I wanted more, but they were already taken. Damn, GoDaddy. What kind of what kind of name is GoDaddy for a website domain? Where did they come up with that? I remember they used to have those commercials with Danica Danica Miller, Danica Patrick, the race car driver, and it was all TNA and all that. But where did they come up with that name? It's like the most random name for a domain a website, right? GoDaddy. It sounds like some strange, like. October, not even May, December relationship. If you don't know what that means, that means like a younger woman in May, the prime of her youth with a, a, a December guy, meaning an older dude. So an older dude, right? Like a Sancho. Like Go Daddy. You know, it's just a weird name. As I like the earth part because I love geography. It's my favorite subject. So I think there's a lot of uh, visual things that you can do with it. And again, it's all about search engine optimization and naturopathy is a climbing word and and it just fits us more now we can have more articles about mindfulness and yoga and ayurvedic medicine and all those things like that so by the time you listen to this we pray that when you go to integravita.com all two of you i'm joking i know there's more of you that go there um you'll be redirected directly to naturopathic earth or you can go straight to naturopathic earth so how do you spell naturopathic it's naturo N-A-T-U-R-O, naturo, and then pathic, P-A-T-H-I-C, patho meaning disease or change, pathic, naturopathic, earth, one word, or as they would say in my people, una palabra. All right. So we are at confession number once, or ons, as they say in the French. Oh, the French language is so beautiful, right? So beautiful. Uh, really quickly, I, I got an iMac or whatever the the Apple computer is to, to do these pods. Um, I got the used, really inexpensive one. Uh, I still don't know how to do a lot of things. I like Windows. I like the two buttons to click, right-click, cut, right-click, copy. I can drag. I am so prehistoric. The students make fun of me. My friends make fun of me. I actually plug in an external mouse so I can move around. I don't like these little touchscreen mouses. Like, for example, on, on these iMacs or what, I don't know, what, what are they called? iPad? Not iPad. The, the Apple computers. Like, you have to, like, double finger tap at the same time to get that little cut, copy, paste thing. And then you got to, like, move your hand down the same at the same time to scroll down. I cannot do this. And I am not a nonagenarian here. I am in my 40s. But I am not a big fan of that. Just give me an external mouse so I could pretend it's like 1980s. Give me my floppy drives, those squirrel floppy drives, right? Let me play Oregon Trail and just let me go back to what I know. 
but it's going to take me some time to get used to these computers. I know all the young people, they love the, the Apple computers and I'm, they are nice, right? You know, but yeah, I don't know. I did watch that Apple movie. The, the one with the fast bender, fast bender, such a great actor. Oh my God. He is such a good actor. Not because he's good in that movie. Cause that movie's all very Aaron Sorkin that, you know, that intense writing that he's known for in the West wing where it's just talk, 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 talk. Uh, that's a decent movie. I don't know much about Steve Jobs, and and I just know he's kind of a d bag, and he wore the sweater, the the not the sweater vest. What's it called? The things you put around your neck, sweater necks. Man, I definitely have not drank my green tea today. Leather necks? No, I don't know. Sweater? I don't. Anyways, yeah, no. Uh, Fastbender, great actor. He did a great movie about Sigmund Freud called The Dangerous Method with another great actor, Viggo Mortensen and Keira Knightley. It was about Carl Jung and Freud and, and their patient together. He was great in that. You know, he's, he's, he's Mr. Magneto and all the X-Men movies. It's just a great movie. Anyways, he's great. Going back to what I was talking about, Confessions number 11. Uh, we're at Confessions... <laughs> Of an Obishaw number 11. This is the competitive eater. Now, the competitive eater is fun. I love this. This reminds me of my old competitive days of eating. Yeah. Yeah. I did tell my brother about these podcasts. I've told brothers. I did tell my middle brother, who, I, who I'm close with. We talk. And uh, it was good. I've told, I've told, pretty much told my family about these podcasts. And so, you know. It was nice. He said, he was like, bro, I wish I was there for you when you were going through these tough times. Because I think, I think he knew, you know, of course he knew I was fat, but, you know, I don't think he really knew the extent of some of the trauma that I went through because he was six years older than I. And so, you know, he went to college through my high school years, which was arguably the toughest time. But it was nice to hear that. It was nice to hear that. So let us begin with... The Competitive Eater. The first installment's confession of an obese child could be construed as a little depressing. The excessive taunting, the spewed vitriol, the utter embarrassment heaped on me was quite unpleasant. To use the classic British understatement, right? Quite, the, the British have that way with the understatement. Like a million people die in the Battle of the Somme in World War I. Like, oh, that was unpleasant. Or another understatement is that, that, that quote attributed to Stalin where he says one death is a horrible thing or one death is a misfortune, a thousand deaths is a casualty. It's true. We can't fathom a million soldiers dying in a battle. That's crazy. I strive in these blogs to bring poignancy and honesty with some humor and levity. Today's installment is all levity. Pizza party time, baby. For a brief time of my childhood, I was a competitive eater. No, not like those guys who compete in the Coney Island hot dog binge competitions for money and fame. And what's going on with that? And why would ESPN, I don't know if they still show it on ESPN, but you remember ESPN of the weekends used to show the weirdest things? Like lumberjack competition, or they cut down wood. I'm going to carry this wood down the hill. You know, I'm going to throw it. They used to show the the binge eating, the fishing it's like back then when they didn't have a lot to show on the weekends, uh, I guess there was not enough college basketball. Maybe this was in the summer or before they would show NFL combines or I don't know, but they'd show all these weird like quasi sports on the weekend. But 
all I remember about the Coney Island uh, contest was that there was that little Asian dude that would win all the time. He'd always win. And they would always eat the, the wieners first and then the buns. Yeah. No money was involved in my bouts with the other kids, but the incentive for more food was the only currency about which I cared. About which I cared. I love it. See, object of the preposition. Preposition should never be at the end of a sentence. The only currency which I cared about. Ooh. You know, father taskmaster, father flagellation, father nightmare from Catholic school. He would just whip me with his paddle if you heard me say that. About which I cared about. Got to switch that preposition, put it in the front. Only currency about which I cared. Thank you, Catholic education. Just like in the convenience store, if I could set up a racket where I could guarantee a fresh supply of more food, then I was all in. Now, if you haven't heard the convenience store, that's when I worked at a convenience store, and the arrangement was I got to eat all the food there if I worked, mopped, stocked, embezzled money, whatever they wanted. My parents had a knack in dropping me off at places to let me wander. And I would just wander, wander, wander. This quasi-abandonment suited my personality, for it satisfied both my insatiable curiosity to experience new things and my equally voracious appetite to be left alone. Why be around people, especially kids? They'll inevitably let you down in some fashion. Food and books don't. So this is a reoccurring theme. Being left alone all the time. I just like, like, mom, let me alone. Like, let's go to the mall. Okay, I'm going to walk around. Right? Let's go to this store. I'm going to walk around. Let's get on my bike with my squeaky hemorrhoid preventing seat. I'm just going to go to McDonald's and then just walk around. I remember one time, my family, we went to Mexico with my cousins. And we went to this town, Barra de Navidad. And I must have been six. Right? And Bado was a beach town. And one day we, we took a boat in this lagoon to an island that had a little restaurant. Now, when I, when I say restaurants in Mexico, it's, it's a very loose definition of restaurant. It was pretty much like a grill, and some of the locals would cook some fish, and you'd sit around and with tables in the sand and drink a lot of beer. And in my family, a lot of beer. And I remember I just started wandering around the island. Right, This is an island. Da, 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 da. Well, apparently my, my family, this is like Jesus at the temple, Right. They just totally forgot. They went back across the lagoon to back to the city and they're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, all the Lunas, cause it's the same accent, right? They're all half Arabic, half Mexican. Oh my God. Where is Albertote? This is like 10 hours after they got back. So they're all scrambling. They take the boat back. They go back to the Island. I'm just wandering around. Doo, 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 doo. And I'm like, mom, dad, I'm fine. Where's my zingers? I bet they don't have as good as in Mexico. I hate this country. Now, I guess now they have bimbo. Right? Bimbo. What, what a weird name for pastries. There's <laughs> yeah. probably some dude who hated his wife and called her a bimbo. It's like, I'm going to name pastries after you. Right? Now we're going to have a, like a pastry called whore, but they're just going to misspell it. And like it's like a subtle stab at some guy's ex-wife. Bimbo. Yeah. Well, I like to walk around, and then again, as I mentioned, why be around people? They disappoint, unless they're old people, which were really nice to me. But food and books, right? Food doesn't talk back to you. If anything, food talks to you, like in my previous podcast, right? Eat me. Why don't you love me? Eat me. And books are great, right? They just like to be looked at. They smell. You learn from them. They're awesome. 
Well, let's actually get to the, the pizza part. Mr. Gaddy's was a popular pizzeria in the 80s. I do have fond memories of all the 80s restaurants, right? They, you walk in, they're all kind of the same. If any of you are old enough to remember, uh, you walk in, they're all kind of dark. They have like felt everywhere on the walls. They have that one like projector TV at the very end. Remember we had projector TVs? Like it had that little box in front of it that had like the red light, the blue light, the green light, and then you could walk in front of the projector and it get in front of the big screen. And so they'd have, of course, the, the arcade games, two or three of the arcade games. It was, and it just smelled like, I don't know, like gooey soft drinks and Rick Springfield. I don't know how to explain it. But, and of course, it had smoking sections, right? I mean, you, you millennials don't remember this. You walk in, they'd be like, smoking or non-smoking? And they'd be like, I'll go to non-smoking. Because there's no way that smoke is going to invade my spot, my space in this restaurant. Because there's this invisible shield that's preventing smoke from going from one side of the restaurant two feet over to the other side. I mean, why did we even think of this? this would work? Right? Smoke's going to pervade the entire area. <laughs> we had smoking and non-smoking. Very odd. Don't get me. Don't even get me going on smoking bans. This is completely un-American. Owners of restaurants or bars should be able to determine whether or not they want to allow smokers in their restaurant, because the free market inevitably will determine whether that whether or not that works. For example, let's say I have a bar, Bar Albs. And Bar Albs still allows smoking. Well, I'll get a certain clientele that'll be like, yeah, I want to come here and smoke. And then I'll have certain ones like, I don't want chance to get inhale the devil's fumes. Well, inevitably, after months, my business is either going to go up or go down. If it goes down, then I change and go back to non-smoking or I go out of business. If it goes up, I keep it. It is not the job of government to dictate what we do. It's like, I don't need to wear a motorcycle helmet if I'm riding a motorcycle Hey, it's my freaking brain. If I want to get road rash or brain damage, that's my freaking choice. Let me do what I want. Same for seatbelts. Why are you telling me I got to wear a seatbelt? Now, I understand kids in the back, totally get that. But if I am an ascension adult, which most adults are, I should have the right to determine if I'm wearing a seatbelt. If I get in a car accident and I fly through the windshield, well, then I'm going to be a vegetable and that's my problem for the rest of my life. Government's job is to take away liberties. Government never gives you anything. Before like, oh, we get handouts. Yeah, 50% of Americans get handouts on one level or another. But those are not free, my friends. They come from productive taxpayers. So just remember that, okay? So if you love government, government is not your friend. Government seizes and attacks and it grows like a mold on your feet. Even Jefferson said that, right, about government. Something like it's a trustee. Oh my! What do you what do you, what do you say? It's a trusty friend, fire, but it can burn you. Oh my God! Why why not look these? This is why I should prepare for these podcasts. And essentially, he says it, it's it warms you up if you know how to use it, but if it goes out of control, it burns you. It's the same thing. Government is bad. I'm sorry for you. You do good or liberals. Yes, going back. Where am I? Oh, smoking. Yeah, <laughs> that's just my opinion. I need to have that little prologue, the, the, the opinions of A. Gregory Leonard, those of them, the, he and the, and, the, and the host, and just the guests, no, no one else. Now, please, feel free to write some comments, say you're total, totally wrong, we should have a smoking ban. Again, about the children, about the children. Okay, well, look, if you're a parent and you don't want your children going to a place 
or there's smoke, I get it. Then just don't go to that place. There is something to be said about the free market economy. Our economy is based on that. Adam Smith, Wealth of Nations, 1776. Okay, we're not Keynesians. Let's allow some freedom to do what we want. Now, my mom used to smoke. You know, there was like this 10-year period where she just started smoking just for 10 years. She, I just remember her smoking in the kitchen. I'd be like, Mom, you're going to die of smoking one day. And, of course, she said what my kids said, my students. Well, we're all going to die one day. Let me just go jump in front of this car then to make this logic make sense. Listen to my podcast to hear my favorite 80s bands. Yeah, I talk about my favorite 80s bands. And, um, you know, I forget which confession it is. How about confession number 12, favorite 80s new wave bands? Most gaddies offered a very inexpensive lunch buffet. During the summer, my parents had to entertain me in some fashion, either by sending me to the amusement park, which I'll talk about later, the pool, which I'll talk about already. I've already written that one. Or the camp. And I've already written that too. So I have amusement park fun. Pool, horrible. Camp, dreadful. So they sent me to Mr. Gaddy's with $7. $4 for the buffet and $3 for the arcade games. Pizza buffets. Oh, my God. I loved pizza buffets. Even when after I lost my weight. Pizza Hut, Adam, CC's. Just low-grade crap. Just horrible pizzas. No offense to you, Pizza Hut, because I'm sure the CEOs listen to this. I love going to the pizzeria. I developed relationships with the workers, as always, because I had this propensity to make friends with adults. Watch the soap operas on the screen. Right, all my kids. There was a period that I was into all my kids. My brother, if he's listening to this, I know he knows. He used to listen to all my, watch all my kids too. There's like this period you go through in college, right? Because you're no longer at school. You take your classes in the morning, maybe, and then it's like daytime. There's no cable. Like I guess I'll watch the Days of Our Lives. All my children was my show. Actually, all the ABC shows. Once, once, one life to live. General popsicle. Yeah. So you go there, I was watching the soap operas. This is the summer. And Plankton Quarters to play Centipede or Space Invaders. So it was perfect, right? I got to play arcade games, unlimited pizza, soda, and desserts. It was like a Shangri-La to the binge eaters of all ages. The duel. My career, quote-unquote, began when I was around 10. One day, a large family sat next to me, and the dad commented on my lack of parental supervision. Stranger danger. I told him that I lived only a few blocks away. And I'm like, oh, my, I, I live right down the street, and you know, my parents would be here soon, which were, of course, both lies. His son, who was a normal-sized kid, then called me fatty. I smiled sheepishly while the dad mildly scolded him. Yeah, he was probably a popular kid, the dad. He's like, oh, we know he's, he's a fatty, but come on, let's, let's just, you know, let's get back in the Rolls Royce. They later let me. They later let. They late later left free me to gorge on more pizzas. Yeah, right. Just internalize and eat, baby. That should have been my T-shirt. I saw the kids a few days later with a nanny. When I was going up to get my first piece slices, the boy called me another fat slur. I have no idea why, but I uttered, "Well, at least I can eat more pizzas than you." He chortled. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. What, what, what's some of bully? I doubt it. He said, If you want me braces in me, I'm at, we'll, we'll make fun of you. Ooh, 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 as he's like scraping his knuckles on the floor. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I thought to myself, Look at me and look at you. Right? I am fat. You are not. I'm going to beat you down. 
like drink you under the table. I'm going to eat you above the table to your vomits above the table. I had nothing to lose, so I agreed. Now, the slices of most pizza buffets are smaller than the regular ones, and they're not as toppings laden. So, again, this is so, I don't know how they would make more money out of this, but I guess if they cut them smaller, you might think that you're eating more, and so you won't eat as much of their profit. We proceeded to pile up our plates with pizza and watch each other from our respective tables. I don't recall the nanny seeming to care much about the exploits of her charge. Probably because she didn't like him. Probably she, maybe she thought I worked for La Migra or ICE and I was a reporter. I don't know. Back in the 80s, we didn't have a lot of illegal immigrants as nannies. Not like today, but maybe she's like, I don't like Chance. Chance annoys me. I want you to beat him, Albertote. Beat him bad. By the end, I beat him 23 slices to 18. I won, but it was a Pyrrhic victory since he continued to ridicule me in the future. Naivety is purged through experience, not age. And I think anyone who who's lived knows that line, right? He, he, I was like, he's like, I won't make fun of you if you beat me. Of course, I beat him. He still makes fun of me, right? Why would I believe that? Because you're naive. I have one student in my class. I'm not going to mention, of course, names. She's the sweetest, naive, most naive girl ever. And I love her. And I'm like, I wish we could just clone her and take kids back in time when they were naive. Now they're all like so cynical and hardened and entitled and... Oh, I love naive students. It's oh, I just love them. Just just be sweet and innocent. You know, you have your whole adulthood to be cynical and to hate the world and experience adult things. And this is one of the ironies of life, right? When you're a kid, you're like I can't wait till I'm an adult. And time is so slow, right? When you're young, time slows down. I can't wait till I'm an adult and I can do what I want, be where I want, go where I want. And then when you're an adult, you're like, man, I miss my childhood, <laughs> especially college. College is like the perfect time, right? More freedom, no responsibility. But you know what? I want to go back in time because being an adult's hard. You got to work. You got to make a living. You have to make difficult decisions. You might be raising kids, right? And your body's wearing down. And then time speeds up. I mean, it's like you blink and it's 10 years later. You blink again and you're 40. I was telling this to my friend Nance one time. We just had our... 20th year uh, uh, college graduation. I'm like, we graduated 20 years ago? Man, blink, blink, blink. It's going to be like, I'm going to be 95, but I don't think I'll be 95. I think I'll be euthanized by then because we'll have universal medical care by then. And we're all just going to be euthanized after we retire because we're not useful to society. Kind of like Logan's Run, that great 70s movie, right? Where they all think they're going to go on vacation when they turn 30 and then Logan finds out that they're just killed. And then they're just torn, turned into Soylent Green. <laughs> Let's just merge all the 70s dystopian movies. Anyway, yeah, you just get older. So kids, enjoy your youth. Because when you become an adult, albeit there's some great benefits to being an adult, there's probably more benefits to being, well, I don't know, being a teenager now is hard with social media. So I don't know. Just enjoy college. College is a good time. This win stoked the competitive fire in me. It was an exhilarating feeling, almost as satisfying as the first bite of vanilla zingers on a particular tough day. I think I mentioned to you, zingers were my go-to pastry. Love them. I love them. More than Twinkies because they had that little icing on the top, which I'm sure was made from vanilla. They just extracted from West Africa vanilla plant. Yeah, right. It's probably made in some New Jersey chemical factory and they just sprayed it on top. Just like I tell the kids, it's like when you eat sour cream chips... 
or barbecue chips. Do you really think there's a dude in a chip plant that is dropping a drip, a drop of barbecue sauce on each chip? No, that's all monosodium glutamate. It's all MSG. It's all a chemical that they spray on these chips to mimic the flavor of barbecue. It's an excitotoxin that overstimulates your neurons and explodes. They explode. That's what the problem with MSGs are. They're an obesogen and they destroy your brain. But I love zingers. Now, I wasn't known to excel in anything. I wasn't particularly a good student aside from geography and history. I was good at European history. My years of binge eating stretched out my stomach so I could be it could be used for good. Right? I had a superpower. I could eat a lot. Sure, I knew how to pack in the food, so perhaps I had the competitive edge in something, albeit something that was completely deleterious to my physical health and mental psyche. But I felt empowered, like in all these poorly written, overly actioned comic movies, right? Like Spider-Man, he figures out he has has a power. I don't know, Daredevil. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch these movies, but you know, at the beginning, they always find out. Oh my God, I have a power. They feel empowered. Well, mine was beating people. But I had to change my modus operandi. Parents would often thwart my slapping of the face with a leather glove. So I targeted my dual challenges to unsupervised teens or young teenagers, right? So there's my dual reference that was probably poorly written. You walk up to somebody, I challenge you to a duel, and you slap slap him in the face with a leather glove. Ten paces. You get your slice, I get mine. My approach is pretty direct. I said, hey, guys, I would love to challenge you to a pizza-eating contest. The kids would almost always agree to it due to the double combination so pervasive in teenagers. Competition and love of food. Yeah, love of food. All teenagers love to eat. You don't have to be fat to like to eat. They also likely thought a young kid challenging them to eat as much as possible was amusing. Duels. My favorite movies are British period movies. I love them. I mean, anything with... Merchant Ivory movies, the old ones with Helena Bonham Carter, Kate Winslet. Oh, just love them. Recently watched The Young Victoria recently with my mom. Um, two days ago, she came to visit. And that's with Emily Blunt as the Queen Victoria when she was young, has the name Young Victoria. And I love my mom. My mom is so blunt. Oh, my God. I, I need to have a whole podcast on her. We're at church, <clears throat> and the woman does not know how to whisper, I don't like this priest. He mumbles too much. I hate this music. This is not 1960s Peter, Paul, and Mary. You know, she'd be like, I go, Mom, Emily Blunt's beautiful, isn't she? She's not pretty. If you look at her from the angle, her nose is funny. I'm like, Mom, you're way off. She's gorgeous. No. She's just so honest. Love her to death. I played this game on and off for about four years. I do it against boys and girls of all ages and races. I really don't remember like my record. It's not like I was writing this down. The one record I do remember was sneaking into movie theaters. I was so good at that. I would do this. I would like go to pay for a G-rated movie, and then I would sneak into PG-13 or R. And I had a record. I was 24 and 2. I remember that record. And, and largely my success was this. See, back then we had ushers. We had ushers that actually come in with the flashlight and see if there are any kids that were underage in the theater. So what I would do is sit next to adults, and I, I would just sit next to them, and they would kind of look at me like, why is this fat kid sitting next to me? And then the usher would come at the beginning of the movie, and then they would leave, and then I'd go sit somewhere else. I was good at that. But here I don't remember really keeping a record. 
Uh, but I know I won more than I lost. The 16 to 18 year olds would normally take me down though. I mean, they were just bigger and you know, they were pecking on food for football. On occasion, when I beat them, they'd call me a fat slur, but not always. I distinctly recall my best day was a whopping 36 slices. Now, these slices were diminutive, but not that much. It was probably the equivalent of three to four pizzas. 36 slices. I mean, you could probably feed, I don't know, the Central African Republic or Niger with that kind of food. I mean, 36 is quite a bit. What was the bet? Well, I was young and naive. I really never thought about a wager. I never won money or trinkets from the losers. My sole remuneration was for every two wins, the guys at Gaddy's gave me free buffets because I was close with the manager, baby. I loved my adults. That in itself was reward enough for me. So I never really thought like, hey, if I win, I'm going to get your your rabbit's foot or I'm going to get your gap cap. Or something. I was just like, I just, I just want to win, just so I can show that I have some modicum of self-respect and self-esteem, and that I can do well. You know, I never really had the hyperopia to think get something out of this. But you know, I was getting the pizza, and of course, the manager's like, "Yeah, man, you win. Yeah, sure, we'll give you pizza." You know, they were only thinking about my health. No, why would they? You know, my parents never found out, even to this day. And this is true. I asked my mom two days ago about it because I knew I was going to record this soon. She said, I don't remember. I think 11-year-old Albert knew that they would not take me to the pizzeria anymore had they found out. The euphoria of winning belied my underlying sadness. Like the first quick bites of a binge, the high of victory was ephemeral, followed by the pangs of stomach aches and shame. It is no surprise that during my tweens, my weight exploded. But at the time, I didn't care much, at least on the conscious level. I was happy that I excelled at something. And all of you have binged, you know, it's the first couple of bites. So good. And then you, you, it's like drugs, right? If you're hooked on drugs, it's right. As soon as you get that first high, it's so good. And then every subsequent bite or every time you get high or whatever drug you're doing, you know, you can't get that same high back, right? You can't get it back. So you, uh... You, you're kind of always pursuing that, but you never can find it again. But that first bite's so good. So, I mean, I was happy. I'd leave. Yay, I beat, you know, Malcolm. Yay. And then deep down, I felt like crap, of course. To this day, I stay away from buffets. In all honesty, I wish they would stop serving them. The myriad of options for a reasonable price is a ruse. For the true intentions of frequenting places like this, is binging. It breaks my heart to see overweight people taking their overweight kids to these locales. I want to yell at them and say, don't you see what you're doing to yourself and more importantly to your kids? Yeah, this is an issue. It, it really makes me angry to see overweight people and their kids are overweight. And I have pity because I think, well, the, the parents likely overweight. Now, I know we used to say, because we don't like fat shaming, and I don't want to fat shame. Okay, fat shaming is wrong. It would be the ultimate irony. You know, but we used to say that you, people had a thyroid problem or a me- metabolic problem, and that's why they were overweight. Sometimes that is true. Absolutely. Unfortunately, many times, if that person was honest, they'd say that they're an emotional eater or they don't know a lot about proper eating. 
And so when you have kids, it, it'll be the same thing. If you don't know anything about eating or you emotionally eat, your kids are more likely to do it. Or if you're emotionally eating and drinking seven sodas a day, your kids are going to drink seven sodas a day. And then we get into that whole thing of wanting to please our kids. And we have that whole thing of kids wanting to emulate parents. And, or you have like my mom who's so depressed and anxious, she doesn't really focus on, on what the kids are doing. So you could easily see why kids end up overweight just like their parents. But it breaks my heart to see really young kids because every kid is tabula rasa. Every kid is born healthy. Okay, you don't see overweight animals in the wild. And then we mess them up. And then they have to deal the rest of their life trying to pick up the pieces and, and play with the cards that they're dealt with. And it's just unfair to them. It's just like kids are abused physically or sexually. It's unfair to them. Our job as adults, they are in our charge, is to protect them. And so when you see an overweight child, you should on one level get angry because that kid does not deserve that. Unless they can lose the weight, they're going to have a shortened life, a life that's going to be beset by medical maladies. And they're going to be stigmatized as being fat. So, I mean, just think about that, guys. It's, it's just think about that. But like places like Golden Corral, I'd, I'd burn those places to the ground if I could, because it's people like you go. You really go there for the myriad of choices. Yeah, they do have a lot of choices, but really, it's just so we can eat at the trough, eat at the trough. And everyone overeats at buffets, even regular people or people who don't have eating issues. So it's just, it's just, it's just very difficult to see that. So I try to avoid buffets, unless it is Indian food. I love Indian buffets; very, very good. Eat chicken tikka masala and korma all the time. Very good. It's like the broccoli and the teeth analogy. Why? What does the true friend do? Tell or not tell you when you have that in your teeth? Am I doing a disservice by not speaking the truth to the overweight people at the all-you-can-eat buffet? Perhaps some strong words will wake them up like it did me. Or maybe it will continue the shame cycle. It is exasperating either way. It is true. You know, if you, if you call somebody on it at a buffet, maybe it would just make them eat more because they know it's true. Like if somebody came up to me and said, you know, Albert, you're eating too much at these pizza buffets. Would I be like, you know, you're right. I'm just going to give up binge eating. <laughs> I'm not going to eat emotionally anymore. Thank you for telling me that. You know, people get defensive. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. So probably if I did ever go up to somebody at a buffet, they, they would get angry, especially coming from me, right? Who? What do you know? Oh, speaking of my students, they just had their senior dinner. And uh, one of the things that the sponsors did was uh, get pictures of, of the teachers when they were babies and then in high school and then adults. And so I, I did submit my pictures. You know, most of my students know my story. And uh, the few that didn't, you know, they're like, Mr. Luna, oh my God, I didn't know. Yeah. So it's, it's funny that they hear that. Thus ends confession number 11, the competitive eater. I would greatly appreciate it if you would go to my website, which will hopefully be naturopathicearth.com. Just con just Google confessions of an obese child, but naturopathic earth. Go there, read my wellness articles. Read the actual blogs if you like. Please go to iTunes and subscribe. I've actually gotten some reviews from people that I don't know, which is awesome. Please post reviews. I'd love to get on new and noteworthy and only have an eight-week window, and I'm probably in the fourth week already. So please, if you like 
my pods even a little. Just post. Doesn't have to be five star. I prefer it, of course. Don't mess with my my rating right now because it's pretty good. But just go in. Just please go in. Aside from that, I know this pod's gone a little long longer than normal, so I'm going to end it. Hopefully, I can get the little extra music and the extra voiceover going here. But take care. I'll see you soon. Do some oil pulling, which I'm about to do as I run off to school. Take care and be good to everybody. Do unto others as they would have them do unto you. I don't know if I think I just got that golden rule wrong. (laughs) But anyways, take care, my friends. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth. See you next time.